brought to you by Brass and Unity. We make wearable conversation starters. Our new buddy check packs are available now. Grab one and check on one of your closest buddies. They may need it now more than ever. Go to brassandunity.com, use the code UNITY and get 20% off. And let's all heal together. And brought to you by Combat Flip Flops. Bad for running and even worse for fighting. Combat flip-flops are your ticket to the unarmed forces by providing you with military-inspired quality footwear for men and women. To help support the podcast and in support of women in developing countries, head over to combatflipflops.com and become a part of their unarmed forces today. Be sure to use the code UNITY at checkout and get 25% off. And brought to you by GFDA. Good fucking design advice. The voice in your head and the foot up your ass. GFDA makes prints, drinkware, and apparel for people who want to do their fucking best. Go and use the code UNITY and get 10% off now on anything on their site, including our collaborative product, Fucking Help Somebody. And brought to you by Daisy May Hat Co., the custom hat company based in Nashville, Tennessee. They make custom one-of-a-kind hats from wide-brimmed fedoras to cowboy hats. All of their hats are 100% beaver felt, and it's the highest quality hat you can get. They also have the coolest shirts ever. You can use the code BRASS at checkout for 15% off your entire order. Go and check out daisymayhats.com. Embrace the fever. Live the dream. And brought to you by American Yogi. In a world increasingly driven toward the grind, find your outlet for peace. American Yogi is a mindfulness-based apparel and wellness brand with international retreats, free classes, and rad clothing and accessories to support you along life's journey. Find American Yogi on Instagram at liveamericanyogi or at americanyogi.com. American Yogi is proud to support the Brass and Unity podcast and its community with the code BRASS15. Join the mindful counterculture. Live American Yogi. Austin Alexander is on the show this week, and you guys have been pushing me and prying at me to have this guy on, mainly Zach Bell, but that's a different conversation. I'm super excited to have you on because... You are what I hope people will be when they leave the military. You are more than one facet. You do a lot of things and you build community. And that to me is everything. You asked me a question at the beginning of this show. You said, why did you want to have me on? I don't think I missed a beat. You build community in a way that I wish more people could see and experience and be a part of, not only for themselves, but for those around them to see that you can actually go through hard things together and it can make you closer. And to me, that's, that's everything because community equals strong mental health. And I care about people's mental health and I know that you do. So I'm very excited to have you on. We got a lot to go over. So let's, let's dive right in. Why don't you tell our listeners what you do before I butcher it? That was a great intro. First of all, second of all, um, where would you like for me to start? I'm a a veteran of the Navy, U.S. Navy, for seven years. I got out in 2020. Uh, I was a master at arms. I worked in the harbor unit, which is uh, on the defensive side, security, naval security. And throughout my time in the military, I really found my passion, which is fitness and helping others live a, a more healthy life through fitness. And when I got out, I kind of carried that that legacy with me and to this day, we still help hundreds of thousands of people go for a specific goal. We've helped about 10,000 people achieve their first pull-up. We've done anything from super, super elite competitions all the way down to just push-ups in parking lots. And I love my job. I love waking up and being excited to, to do it and 
it's a, it's a good life. It's a lot of work, but it's, it makes me very fulfilled and it's very exciting to do it every day. Let's be honest. If it was easy, everyone would do it. Yes, I agree. Uh, the part that's not easy is it is still running a business, obviously, because I live in California. It's very expensive here. We have lots of different operations. We have a, a bus that I take out and challenge random people in, in parking lots to, <laughs> to do maximum effort fitness workouts. We have a full-time obstacle course that's up here at the Olympic Training Center in Chula Vista. We run people through that all the time. We just hosted our first massive competitions where a competition where 64 athletes from around the world flew out from Croatia, Denmark, Mexico, Australia, and they competed for 20,000 in cash prizes. And there is a lot of logistics that goes behind it. That's why I have bags <laughs> under my eyes because it's still hard for me to sleep. But yeah, it's, it's not easy, but it's exhilarating and it's fun. All right, let's so let's break this down a little bit. You started in the Navy. Again, we have a we have quite a few military members on this show. We don't hold it against them if they're in the Navy, but we do ask them why the Navy? Why not the Marines? Why not the Army? Why the military? Why put your life on the line for something like country? So when I was about twenty years old, I was in college. I hated it. I hated. <laughs> having to learn at someone else's pace. For me, I didn't know it back then, but for, for me, I learned best when I was teaching myself. And nowadays we have the internet, you can, you can learn and teach yourself many, many things. So I was sitting in this classroom in this, in this history class, not that I don't like history, but just having to, to take tests and listen to lectures and all this stuff, I said, this is not for me. So before I even considered the military, I was approached in the mall by a Marine recruiter and he was just rude to me as Marine recruiter recruiters, <laughs> you know, should be or are. He's like, dude, what are you doing with your life? You're not doing anything. You're just, I had a part-time job cutting grass for the city of Florence, Alabama. He's like, what do you do for a living? I said, I cut grass. He said, Dude, you're a loser. You're never going to make it anywhere. You should join the military and really make something out of yourself. And at that moment, I said, okay, I'm not going to join the Marine Corps, but I like the idea of, of military. So I started researching, you know, my, my grandpa was in the army, but mm -hmm. our family is not really, it's not really a military family. And when I was researching, I came across the Navy and I saw the dress blues. I saw the sailors and, and, and dress whites and dress blues with the bell bottoms. And I said, man, the ladies are really going to love this. <laughs> Those bell bottoms. So, I know gets, gets everybody. <laughs> and I said, I want to be in the Navy. So then I started looking into jobs in the Navy and I went to a recruiter office with, uh, my friend Taylor with no, no urge to join at all. I was just kind of getting information. And the recruiter handed me a packet. It was a Navy SEAL packet, obviously, because everybody that goes in the Navy wants to be a Navy SEAL. And I said, I think I can do this. I had worked out a little bit. You know, I would, I would do typical biceps four times a week, and that's about it with my brother. Typical bodybuilding. And I said, 
this is really going to challenge me. I've never really challenged myself before, you know, and I was 20, 20 years old. And I said, I think I want to do this. So without telling anybody, I went back into the recruiter office, probably a few days later. I said, sign me up. I, I want to join. I want to get out of here. I want to make something out of my life. And okay. rest is history. Okay. So you're one of those. Hey, yes. that's what we have in common. We make decisions quickly and then go, oh, I guess that's going to impact our entire life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm a, I am a terrible planner. I'm a good executor. So if I come across an idea, I just execute and then figure it out along the way. Okay. So I guess you were fit for the military then. It just didn't need to come up with the planning on your own this time. You had other people that could do it and then you were really great at executing, which I do love. And th that shows, I mean, it shows in the path that you've taken since the military. And I, like I said, I don't want to dive too, too much into that because I think you have a lot more going on. I think that's just a part of your story. It's a blip in your time and I'm not trying to skate over it, but I think it's, you know, it shows the type of person you are and the willingness to just jump at something and go in the way you did. I think that's pretty fantastic, but there's so much more to you that I do want to get into because like I said, what it looks like for me on the outside is what you're doing is you love what you do, but you're building a community in a way that I wish more people would see and be willing to do. Uh, you challenge others the way I wish people would be willing to challenge themselves without having to have an external factor. I absolutely love this bus idea and just going up to straight civilians with hands of cash. Like, can you do this? And if so, I'm gonna pay you money. There's something so organic and natural and dumbfounding to me about that. I wish I could just be a witness to watch some of this goes on. I think physical fitness is so important uh, when dealing with mental health. And we do talk a lot about uh, overcoming things in mental health on this show. So I, I wanna touch on why why fitness for you was so imperative, why you felt like, you know, you just went from traditional bodybuilding to joining the, um, the Navy, but then you continued along this fitness journey. When I was preparing to go into the Navy, I exposed myself to things that I've never been exposed to before um, in the realm of fitness, running, swimming, you know, pushups, pull-ups, sit-ups. I even joined a CrossFit gym and being exposed to that level of fitness, it really, it was challenging and I loved it. And I, I just lived for it. And throughout my time in the Navy, I used fitness to combat some depression, uh, anxiety on deployments as all service members do. And I developed such a good relationship with fitness that I said, you know, this is great. I mean, I was using it to get through some really tough times. And I saw other people in those tough times that were just kind of dealing with it and their mental health was suffering. And I tried to put people on, like and I did put people on, they would go to the gym with me, we would have workout groups. The whole Harvard division was, was going to the gym after, after or before work and it was great. And there was camaraderie, everybody was getting fit and, and just, kind of dealing with the suck as, as it came day by day. And I see so many people now that struggle with mental health and the 
bane of my existence now, well, mm-hmm. since I was 20, has been clinging to physical fitness to help deal and to keep keep my body healthy and help help facilitate the depression and, and anxiety that, that came with the military lifestyle. And if it's one thing I want to do, I just want to introduce others into that realm. That's why Battle Bus is so beginner, very simple movements, because the feeling of accomplishment through physical fitness really can set somebody on the path of, of living a, a more healthy lifestyle physically and mentally. You couldn't be more accurate. I mean, there's a ton of science and research behind this. And I, I, I say something a lot on our show and I almost say it to a fault, but I, I repeat it so that people get it through their skulls. Physical fitness is four, four times more effective than an antidepressant. But people want to reach for the simple option. They want to reach mm-hmm. for the thing that works for them and not put the effort in. But I think if you teach individuals small steps, and, and we have this group called, uh, we do a Mental Health Monday. We do a live every Monday on Instagram, but we have the Signal group chat where it's people from Mental Health Monday from all over the world. And we challenge them to things and we talk about difficult things and we have just general conversations so that others feel like there's someone out there that's listening. But the thing that we're challenging them to next is very simple things, drinking more water. So many individuals look at water as an option and not the thing they should be drinking. Unfortunately, you've got individuals who drink cans and cans and cans and cans of soda, but don't understand why they're not feeling well. They can't grasp why their, their bodies are up and down, why they're, they have hair triggers, why they can't sleep. Those things are massive. So we, you know, we encourage and invite others to just start with water because it's the simple things that make the biggest impact. And if you can set people up and give them a solid foundation, you're going to come out and be tenfold more successful. I agree. I think a lot of people, they, they look at themselves currently and say, I want to be here, but in between all of that, they have to do a thousand different things. But what I try to teach people and and what it sounds like you're teaching people is start with the simple things, get that, start forming that little snowball and, Mm -hmm. and roll it down the hill. As it begins to roll down the hill, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And if you can develop those, those small habits, it overall leads to a better and healthier lifestyle. But the thing about physical fitness that happens to individuals that I've noticed this and um, from being an athlete, my husband was a professional super cross racer. And my mother-in-law is a dangerous level trainer and she's terrifying in her sixties. But the thing that I think most people see is they see fitness, they see athletes, they see all of these CrossFit guys lifting massive weights you know, doing these huge pull-ups just on repeat and they get overwhelmed. They get seriously, seriously overwhelmed to go, well, there's no chance. I'm nowhere close to that. So why would I start trying to go to a CrossFit gym? Why would I, you know, why would I start going to all these events and try and busting it out? I'm just going to make an ass of myself, but you look at it from a very different approach. And I'd like you to kind of talk to me about why the bus and and why your approach is so important and why you see it being so effective. So I'll give some background on, on, yeah. In case the audience hasn't seen the battle bus series. So I started battle bunker. It originally started as a nine obstacle course in Moore park, California. We would go out there, we would film videos, we would share the videos with the community and 
it was kind of like intermediate because you had to be somewhat fit already to attempt the course. And there was such a gap in what we were doing between the beginner and the intermediate to elite. Cause we originally, we catered to, you know, the course was more like an intermediate to advanced fitness style. And the idea behind the videos was sharing it with the community online and having them either train for it to come out to try the course or just, you know, start somewhere and eventually be to that level that we catered to. But I thought there's so much more, so many more people that fitness is not a part of their lifestyle. And the idea with the battle, bu the battle bunker bus is we got this green van with this mobile squat rack and pull up bar on the back. It's attached to the hitch. No, nothing fancy at all. And we would go out and we would ask people, because everybody knows what a push up is. Everybody knows what a pull up is. Everybody knows what, you know, a, an air squat is. And we would challenge people and we would say, hey, can you do an air squat? If no, let me teach you. If so, let me give you $5 every, every air squat. It's a very simple concept. And we film the videos and we share them online. And there's so many people that see those videos that get introduced and that it, it triggers a thought in their head. Like, I wonder how many pull-ups I can do. I wonder how many push-ups I can do. And then after seeing the videos repetitively of, of everyday people, everyday folks who aren't fit, who aren't using fitness as a part of their lifestyle, they say, well, if they can do it, if they can bang out 10 push-ups, then I want to try it. And we, get messages all the time. Hey, I, uh, I've never been able to do a pull up before. And I've been trying ever since I've, I've seen the battle bus and I did my first pull up and it was the best feeling ever. And it introduces people to the feeling of, of accomplishment through fitness. And that's the whole idea behind battle bus is using simple movements that everyone can do to induce this training style mentality in them. Did you come up with the battle bus? I did. Okay. Yeah. Uh, a, a friend of mine, Nick Simmons, he would go to college campuses to, to track athletes. And he would say, if you beat me in a race, I'll give you a hundred bucks. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. And I said, I could just go to military bases but it, it needs to be like themed and I need to be able to perform these things that we want to do, like push up squats, bench press. And I said, I need a, like a big trailer full of workout equipment. I'm just going to work <laughs> out with people. And after judging the cost, it was like 50 grand for that trailer. But the same company Beaver fit, I know you've heard of them. I was talking to Dan and he's like, Hey, we have uh, this, it's fit. And I want to send you one and see if you can use this with your bus. So they sent me one and we took it out doing very, very simple movements. The first, first thing we did was pull-ups and I was given a dollar for every pull-up and people loved it outside the gyms, you know, on the street at gas stations. They, they loved the idea and they, it was, it was a, it was a hit. 
And some of it's deceiving as hell too. Like I'll see some of these videos and people go and you're like, oh, this isn't going to work out. And they bust out. Like there's something that you didn't yeah. expect. And I think it's yeah. not only entertaining, but it shows you that it doesn't, you know, they're, they're sneaky fit people in there. They're sneaky fit. Sometimes the body, the body remembers, but they got a little lazier for whatever happened in their life. Something happened, but they, they lost that fitness track. Mm -hmm. Sounds like you just kind of kicked it back up for them then, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. There's, there's a lot of people, I mean, because when we're out there, it may not seem as intense in the videos, but isn't it is intense for the people that have seen the videos, there's music behind it there. You know, we cut the videos to make them engaging and entertaining, but when the camera is on and the audience is watching and the audience is cheering for you, you best believe they're going to give it their max effort. And that pushes them to a new level. It's something that the audience can experience unless they're there with us. It's the environment. It's the, the, the challenge of doing your max effort at whatever workout it is, squats, pull-up, push-ups, everything. And people leave saying, oh, either I, I need to work on this or, oh, I surprised myself today. You know, I'm going to work on pull-ups some more. And it's overall, it's, it's a great, it's a great thing. I love it. I love seeing that so much because that's another thing is fitness is like I said, it can be overwhelming. It can be tricky, but it can be such a tool to not only cope with your life, but better your life, help you engage in life again. And that's the other thing I see was when people take up fitness after they've either had a child or a few children, and they've kind of given their whole lives to someone else and they realize, Oh, wow. I, you know, I've, I've kind of slowed down. I, I can't keep up as much, or maybe when my kid runs, I can't, I can't outpace them. Like I thought I would be able to showing them that there are ways to get back into this and integrate yourself back in it, because it not only shows yourself, which is ultimately one of the greatest tools, being able to show yourself and prove yourself that you're able to achieve something again, but it also then shows and changes lifestyle within family units. When individuals realize that there's something more that they can be doing to teach their kids that, hey, this is a big step. You need to be looking after your body. It'll help look after your mind later on. But how does, how does marketing come in? Because you started your own marketing firm with this AMA marketing? Correct. Okay, so tell me how you Did get you into research? that. Yeah. Um, so I always had a previous interest in video. It wasn't really a passion until I joined the Navy, I would make, you know, little action figure videos with the mom's camera. And <laughs> I eventually saved up and bought a, a JVC Averio back when they 720p, I think first was released to the consumer. And it, we produced a show in high school called current events. And I, I just loved being able to, to create those videos and take the audience through a funny, entertaining, uplifting video. And when I joined the Navy, I, I didn't create any videos for a long time, but when I got to Bahrain, I said, you know, I don't want to go to the bars. I don't want to go to the brunches. I don't want to spend 80 bucks for a, for a, a brunch and do that every weekend, which is what everybody did. So I started traveling around. We went to Dubai, Oman, Qatar, um, and I would just record I started to record these experiences and slowly over the period of about 2017 to 2018, everybody 
told me, you should put these videos on YouTube. These are great. These are funny. These are, you know, uplifting, entertaining. And I always thought, no, I'm not, I'm not good enough for YouTube. You know, you had the Logan Pauls and you had the Mr. Beast on there. I said, I can't give away a hundred thousand dollars in a video. I don't have a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah. So I just thought like YouTube, you know, it wasn't for me. I just wanted to post these on Facebook and share them with close family and friends until I created a deployment story. And it was my whole seven month experience on uh, underway on the Carl Vinson aircraft carrier. I said, you know, I can share this and I can, you know, future sailors or sailors that are going to deployment or any military member can watch this and prepare themselves for deployment. And this is my story. I'll convey it as accurately as I can. And, and throughout seven months, I didn't do my qualifications. I didn't get air warfare or uh, expeditionary warfare. I was busy working on this video. And <laughs> I would get trashed all the time. Alexander, you, you have to finish your PQS and you have to get training and you have to get th this, you know, your surface warfare and your air warfare pin. And I, I said, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to make this video because this is really, you know, I got excited about it. I got excited about the thought of sharing it with, with military members and future military members. And I created the video and I posted it in 2017, I believe. Just kind of posted it, shared it. I think I logged out of my YouTube account. I wasn't really a big watcher of YouTube at the time, but I just posted it. And about a year later, I had noticed that that video had, you know, like 3,500, maybe 4,000 views. I said, man, this is pretty, pretty good for, for just a video that I kind of just made. And I noticed people were subscribing to me and I, I thought about, I think at the time I had maybe 200, 300 subscribers and I'm giving you the, the longer version of I AMA. Give me all the versions on okay. all of it. <laughs> so posted this video and I had maybe 200, 300 subscribers. And at the time I was on detachment in Fallon and I had met this woman by the name of Sarah Olston, my girlfriend. And I showed oh, the, her the video. Is that the blonde in the Instagram that you still haven't married? Yes. You probably should get yes. on. Yes. Yes. Okay. Exactly. I just want, I just want to make sure we were you tracking really the same. You really did do your research. I told you, do you think that I just spend waste time interviewing or like bringing people on the show? They listen, I don't know what kind of shows you've been on, but this I've ain't been that. On some bad shows. I've been on some really bad shows. I'm really sorry for your loss on that. I know this is not one of them. This is, this is a great show so far. So yeah, you did your research. You. So yeah, maybe, maybe if she's lucky, I'll propose very soon, but, um, so I, I posted this video. And I showed Sarah in 2018 and she's like, what the hell are you doing? You have 300 people that are subscribed to that are waiting for more videos from you. Like this is your chance to inspire people and create more videos. I thought about it. No, I don't really want to post on YouTube. You know, some of the comments were like, you know, kind of negative. I said, I don't want to expose myself. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was soft back in the day. And she's like, when, one day she was just like, get your ass in there and make another YouTube video. And I was like, all right, sheesh. So I went in there, I made another uh, YouTube video. I couldn't think of a topic. I think I finally settled on, should you join the military? I filmed it with my iPad. 
still really rusty with, with video editing and video creation and everything. And that video got a really good response. I was reading comments from other service members like, Hey man, I'm in MA as well. I'm in Bahrain. Uh, here's my experience. I just really enjoyed reading other people's experiences. So after that video, I posted another one and then another one and then another one. I remember one time, I believe I made like 40 videos in 40 days. Oh, it, wow. I became, I became obsessed with posting these YouTube videos. And throughout the course of time, I was like, everybody's like, oh, I want to be a YouTuber because they just make videos and make a lot of money. That wasn't the case for me. I just really enjoyed sharing the videos. I didn't even realize that you could make money from YouTube. And I think towards the end of 2018, I had received one paycheck from YouTube. They emailed me. They said, hey, would you like to join the partner program? I said, sure. And it was 30, it was like $34. I was like, all right, cool. That's, you know, gas money or whatever. I kept creating these videos and by 2019, a few videos had popped off and they were the ones where I was merging my passion for fitness with my hobby of video. And I made a, some challenge videos, fitness challenge videos, and people loved them. One time I, I created video titled Miss Bikini Olympia attempts the Navy physical readiness test. Very interesting topic. And I posted it a few weeks later, it had just rocketed and the, the YouTube analytics were just straight up in the air. I was in disbelief daily mail and business insider and Yahoo. They were all reaching out to me, want to do an article on this video. And after that one, Past, I said, okay, let's do another one. Let's have some CrossFitters attempt the Navy physical readiness <laughs> test. And from there, it really developed into a great series, a series that inspired people to, to work out and become more fit. And a series that was completely in my niche because I was an assistant command fitness leader. And it was my job to, to post these videos and get these people motivated. It became a really good scenario because I absolutely love doing it more than my job in the Navy. And I look forward to, to creating the videos throughout 2019 is when I really saw the potential on YouTube. I think I was starting to make, you know, 3000 or $4,000 a month. And I was thinking, this is crazy. This is almost what the Navy is paying me. And I'm just doing this part time. This is crazy. You know, I was working 50 plus hours in the Navy and getting paid like around the same as YouTube was paying me for part-time work. So I kept at it. I never, never even thought about getting out of the Navy. I, I thought I, I was about to re-enlist and I kept creating the videos and through 2020, that's when I really started to receive uh, bigger payments from YouTube. And I was doing what I absolutely love, just creating, creating videos and, and working out on the weekends. And 2020, I earned about maybe two and a half times my Navy salary. And I said, well, this is telling me something. I'm, yeah. getting, I'm getting my, at the end of my term where I have to choose to re-up or, or get out. And I just really fell in love with, with creating YouTube. 
on top of that, we started to pick up a few sponsorships on the videos, which allowed us to share our favorite products and earn even more. And by the end of 2020, I made the decision to get out of the Navy and take creation full time. So that's where AMA marketing was established. I originally thought that I would go into, you know, social media marketing or helping other brands, but it ended up just being my own brand, my, my YouTube channel. Now AMA marketing is a full production agency. We have four full-time employees, videographers, editors from across the world. And, and it has grown into, you know, we've, we've done commercials. We still have the YouTube channels. We have an, an additional YouTube channel. We have two Facebook pages. We have a snap show. We have all the social media channels and we also do commercials for brands now. So that's how AMA marketing ventures functions now. And that's how it, it kind of started, but it all started. You were talking about small steps earlier. It all started with that video, that one video that I posted, just such a small, a small seven minute video. And now we are a full production agency. And you, <clears throat> on top of that, you're almost at a billion views, aren't you? Actually, I, did we you may, cross it? We may even be over a billion. Yeah. The, what I mentioned to you is, is 750 million. And that's only one series. That's the battle bus series across mm -hmm. all socials. So if you take the viewership from the past four years and add it to that 750 million, it may be Ooh. already over a billion. Congratulations, man. Thank That's you. a huge accomplishment. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Shit. For, I see. Oh. For, for me, it is seeing like one seventh of the world. There are 7 billion people in the world. One seventh of the world have been exposed to an aspect of fitness. And I'm the one that's able to expose them to that. So I know not everybody's going to go out and knock out 10 pushups or, or 20 pushups, but I like to think that, you know, if 0.1% of those billion views set a goal or push themselves to work out harder, I like to think that, that that's a, that's a mission accomplished. I would agree. I don't think there's a damn person on this planet that would say otherwise. I think the, one of the biggest takeaways from, from going over how you kind of started that was the key part was you started. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, they, they want to read self-help books. They want to watch YouTube videos. They want to do all of these things and plan out this master plan, but they never really actually start. You're spot on with that. There are so many people that say, okay, I want to, I want to do this. And then they don't realize, but their brain is telling them, no, you, you don't need to start yet. You need to prepare. You need to plan. You need to do all of this stuff. I push people all the time. Just start, just, just start. I get questions all the time. Hey man, I'm trying to build my Facebook page because I'm a, I'm a coach now. What do I do? I'm like just start. Like, you know, what needs to be done. If you want to build your Facebook page, post, post a video, post a photo and execution is tough for a lot of people. It's tough for me. I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say, 
oh, I've been great at execution my whole life. You remember me telling you two minutes ago that it took a lot for me to post those videos on YouTube and just, and uh, to start creating those videos. And one tip of advice, if you're going for a goal out there, just start, just start rolling the ball. Don't prepare to roll the ball, just roll the ball and you can optimize on the way. Standardize, then optimize. Standardization is execution. Optimization is perfecting that execution. So that's not a quote at all. That's not going to be a perfect fucking clip if I've ever seen one. Oh, I just call it out. That's fine. <laughs> is that uh, what you're writing down? Yeah. Yeah. I take a lot of notes, right? Because I think what people say most of the time, people do these podcasts, right? And, and, you know, there's these conversations that are had back and forth. And I think the whole point, obviously, is to entertain people, but it's also to give people useful information, not just more information. There is, what is there, over 4 million podcasts out there nowadays? I mean, the, my God, the amount of physical information, the amount of physical fitness videos you can watch, the amount of anything that you can watch and do, there's so much information. So if you want to be useful, you need to have useful content. I think for you, when you talked about, you know, you just need to start, you don't, like you said, you don't have to be good at that always, but if you can get yourself started, don't worry so much about what it looks like or, or how it, you're, you're going to think it's going to be perceived. Because if you're so worried about what other people think, you're, you're never going to start. Like you said, YouTube, when you started with what, only two, 300 subscribers, the comments can get vicious. Online can be a really tricky place to play in. Um, and especially if it's your profession. I mean, you, you took it from something you enjoyed and you turned it into your profession. And I always tell people, if you want to start something, start something you're passionate about, because you'll more than likely follow through on that than if you pick something that you kind of like, or you think is something you should be doing. So I want to, and this might get a little uncomfortable. So just bear with me. How do you handle negative online? Because and listen, Joe Rogan says post and ghost. Lex says post and ghost. All these people say post and ghost. They don't all post and ghost. Some of them read their shit. They do. And that's just the truth of the matter. But some people can be pretty horrific online. Mm -hmm. So I equate those to, to real life scenarios. If, if you can't have a conversation and receive, even if it's negative criticism in person, then it's going to be super tough online. I am the type where I can hear people, you know, talk negatively about me or read it online. And over the course of, you know, four years, probably five or 10 million comments, not all of them being the, the nicest, pardoned <laughs> me a lot. It was tough. It was really tough when I first started posting, because people would talk about my complexion, they would talk about just my accent, they would talk about my family, my girlfriend, all of this. And after, you know, a year or so reading those comments, it hardened me a lot. And in the military, we use we also use humor, as you know, uh, to battle and combat a lot of tough situations. And I do the same. If I read, read something, I'm I'm, that's really negative, I tend to feel sorry for people. Mm. It's, it's really, it's really sad. And if I could talk to that person one-on-one -on -one 
I bet we could dig up something that they're really going through that triggers mm -hmm. those negative comments. So yeah, that's, that's how I deal with it. I still get bad comments to this day. Like uh, yesterday <laughs> I got a comment on battle bunker YouTube channel. We started posting our new obstacle course series, you know, a series that I worked so hard to, to fulfill and, and create. And one of the comments was like, Hey man, been a subscriber for a while. This new direction that you're trying to take battle bunker is not it. This is not what we want to see. And if you keep posting this, we're going to stop watching. And it's, it's hyper like personalized, you know, because he's a subscriber to the channel. But at the same time, I look at the other comments on the video and I look at the analytics and, <laughs> and you, YouTube doesn't lie. They tell you exactly when people drop off the video, they tell you exactly how long people are watching for. And for me, you know, that's just an opinion. It's not, it's not factual. It's not the truth. That's someone's opinion and everyone has an opinion. So if, if you, if, you know, one of your listeners out there is, is wanting to, to share more online, just, just be prepared. You will receive comments like that, but they're all opinions. Everybody has one. Yeah. It's in online's a interesting platform. It, especially I find YouTube to be particularly vicious, uh, over maybe Instagram or, you know, maybe Facebook, Facebook feels a little more like my mom's generation. Mm -hmm. Instagram feels a little more what I play in. And then YouTube just scares the living hell out of me. I mean, don't get me wrong. This will be all over YouTube, but it does. It, it leaves, a leaves you open a little differently, uh, more vulnerable in, in particular, at least for me for this, because this is what we utilize on YouTube for you. You're, you're putting people through a program. So they're not hyper aware of exactly what you're doing, but they're more looking at what that person is doing in that competition or in that event, in that, in that moment. But YouTube is definitely a, a place to grow. Um, uh, you mentioned before, you know, you never really watched a lot of YouTube videos and things like that. So when, when did that transition happen? When did you, obviously your amazing soon to be wife decided, Hey, you need to get out and do this. So at what point did you start really utilizing YouTube to teach you about YouTube? That was probably in, in 2018, for sure. I started posting consistently in August of 2018. And I said, well, if I'm going to do this, I, I need to learn. So I started watching tutorial videos about how to do this, how to maintain higher click-through rate on thumbnails, how to get a higher average view duration, how to hook viewers. And yeah, in, in 2018, I really started to teach myself. Don't get me wrong. I am still watching YouTube tutorials about other creators, how they're able to, to build and scale and grow. And it's a, it's a never, never ending process. I would love to see a video with the battle bunker and Mr. Beast. I'm just, that's, if that hasn't happened, I don't know if it has. I'm just saying if it hasn't happened, I would watch the shit out of that video. I think there's something there just saying that could be really fun to, uh, to witness. And I feel I, like you're smirking for a reason. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I mean, it's, I've actually went to a, to be in a Mr. Beast video. Okay. And, uh, I went with Zach, actually Zach and Eric and when I got there, they said, oh, you're just an extra. If something happens to Zach and Eric, you're going to be a stand-in for, for the video tomorrow. Mm. And I, I met a lot of the crew. I've 
I've chatted with Mr. Beast on a, on a Google or a YouTube, Google meet was like a YouTube mastermind. And I will probably see him at the streamies this year. So maybe I can, I can hint at it. That's all right. You can just let them know the idea came from me. It's fine. It's totally fine. I, I think that would be interesting. When is that video of those two uh, coming out or has it come out? And I just missed it. He didn't release it on, on his channel. He actually gave the video to another YouTuber called Ludwig. Okay. So if you look, look at Ludwig's channel, I think the title is I stole Mr. Beast's video or something like that. So yeah. uh, I'm not sure why they didn't, I'm not sure why they didn't post it. It could have been Zach's face. Maybe so. Yeah. Or Eric's. They're both. Or, I was going to say, you know, what the best part of being friends with those two is when they just send you random photos when they're together, where they look like they're a couple at like a Chili's. It's the great, it's the greatest. It puts a good smile on my face. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah. Same. But there's something about this community, uh, whether you want to call it fitness veterans creators in the veteran space whatever whatever you want to categorize yourself as rising tides really do do happen in this group and i think it's important to highlight because i do speak and do talk a lot about the veteran community and how a lot of us eat their own <clears throat> that's just the truth. And I have no issue saying it. And I say it loud and proud. And I think there's a hierarchy in this community, whether you're in or you're out now, but there is, if you're a, a social media influencer, if you're a podcast host, if you're doing what you're trying to do on YouTube, there's what is a perceived hierarchy that happens. But the, on the, on the flip side of that, and I had this discussion yesterday with another, with another guest of mine, there can be another side of this. And there are people in that community that subscribe to the rising tides. And I think that's important to highlight that there are people that are willing to help support one another in this community. And Eric being one, Zach Bell being one, you yourself being one. I think that's really, really, really important to highlight because it is daunting jumping into a world like this. It's daunting when you try to just start cold calling or DMing or putting yourself out there in a different way. So in saying all of that, did you find when you started to put yourself out there, when you started to ask people to be a part of your videos, how was that for you? And what were the tools that you kind of utilized to get that done successfully? When I was starting to, to do more fitness videos, fitness, uh, military competition, fitness videos, my friends perceived it well. I, a lot of my friends would would just come out and, and be in videos and hang out. It was a great time. They, they loved working out. And the fact that we were filming it was even more exciting to them. On the flip side, the veterans and people, you know, active people in the military community, they were not always the most supportive. You know, I would get comments all the time. Um, you know, I, I wasn't a Navy SEAL. So you had all these former green berets and people that were like, oh, I was a Navy SEAL in 1999. And that's not how the test goes. Like they were the most critical <sighs> still are. Yeah. Still are. And of course I'm super nice to them because they, you know, are, are coming from maybe a place, I hate saying this, but I, I will mention it, maybe a place of jealousy and it's a real emotion and I don't mean to cut you off. It's a real emotion. It needs to be acknowledged. And I'm glad that you brought that up because 
We are all humans going through the human experience, whether you're a Navy SEAL, an Army Ranger, a grunt, or just a civilian that's doing something else in your life. We are all people who have been through things, who are going through a human experience. And the way someone speaks to you, like you said earlier, is often just a representation or a perception of themselves that they're pushing out onto you. Yes. So jealousy yeah. is a real thing. It happens. And I hate to say it, but if you're jealous, then do something about it. Yeah. And I, I prefaced that with saying they may be jealous, like that I hate saying that just because I don't want to be perceived as somebody who's like, oh, everybody's jealous of me, blah, blah, blah. No I, one I just, perceives you that way. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I do think that that's where uh, a, a place where they may be coming from. And it could be just the fact that they don't want to be in front of a camera or they don't have the confidence to, to speak in front of a camera and post it. So yeah, it is, it's very, uh, the veteran community is very, most of the veteran community. I mean, I wouldn't say that. I, I would say some of the med uh, veteran community is very unforgiving. So when I'm posting these videos, you know, they're talking about you're wrong. Uh, instead of, you know, back when I was a Navy SEAL, we had to swim two miles in the ocean and, you know, things have changed. So they just have this picture in their head that, that everything has to done, be done their way and the way they did it. You know, back, back when I was a, a Navy SEAL, we did a six mile beach run. So you're doing the PST, which is an entry level Navy SEAL test. You need to put these people through a four mile beach run and, you know. <laughs> Uh, the, the vocab is usually a lot more, uh, a lot more colorful. Yeah, colorful. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, you know, don't get me wrong. I think, again, I, I had this conversation yesterday with, uh, with Keg and Dunlap. I had him on yesterday and we were having this conversation. Isn't he great? He's great. I love the guy. Yeah. Feel free to text him after this episode and ask him, how does it feel to be late and let someone down? Oh, I will. Oh, don't worry. I gave him grief on the show. So you'll be able to feel, <laughs> listen to that one and find out about what he happened there. Cause that was, uh, oh, he's a sweetheart though. He's a really kind guy. And he was really great in talking about, um, about the veteran community in that sense of that. We need to be, we need to be more open-minded. But then I kind of reminded him, reminded him of the fact that the military takes people, strips them of their entire identity, tells them that the only thing that really needs to matter is that ego, because that ego will fuel you. It will drive you. It'll be the thing that keeps you alive and keeps you safe in the moments that you can't, you know, perceive that because you've never experienced danger or threat. So we are now asking people who have been trained a certain way to be kind to other people who were competing in what they perceive their space or talking about something which they perceive to have the authority over. Speaking like a Navy SEAL, like you said, from the Navy from like the nineties. It's like, well, things have changed in the past 20 years. I mean, even 30. in the time frame, so 2030. So I'm thinking, yeah, nineties, <laughs> Jesus. Oh my God, it's so oh, long it's crazy. ago. Crazy. Oh, well, I, I talked about that recently because I, I told you before I was just out with the Canadian army for the first time since 2011, since I got out of the military, right? We were going through 
everything on the base. They wanted to show me how they have changed. Basically their, their whole premise was let us show you how we don't fuck up anymore when we deal with personnel. And so we were going through this conversation. And in that time, I also realized their physical fitness tests have changed and the requirements have changed, i.e. to become a gunner, you no longer need to pull a lanyard on a 105 or a 777, which to me, that is completely unacceptable behavior. You need to know how to run a gun if you're going to be a gunner. I, I just, I can't, it's an oxymoron. Like, how do you not? But that goes, this is a perfect example. That's how it was done in my time. That doesn't mean that's how it's done in this time. And mm. that's okay. But it doesn't mean it's acceptable for me to come out and shit on anybody else or treat anybody else like garbage about what they're trying to do now to help others and improve others' lives. That right there is a symptom of the ego that has never been put to bed. They've never done any deep dives on themselves, looked inward to realize why are they acting that way or why are they feeling or perceiving or giving the, the perception that they're jealous of someone else. There's no, there's no need for that. I said this to Kagan, there is room for everyone at the table. There is room for literally anyone who wants to join the table, but we need to stop acting as if there isn't, we need to stop acting as if it's a one size fits all. Everybody has to jump through all the same hoops. They don't. Sometimes you get a video that pops and it just skyrockets you. Sometimes you can been working for years. The grind is real on YouTube and all of these platforms. It's real. And sometimes nothing ever pops for people and that's okay, but you can't sit there and criticize others. The other thing I also want to point out is, and I say this to people because I think it's important, nobody doing more than you is ever going to be the one criticizing you. Yep. hundred percent. Sorry. <laughs> it's say, it, take that for whatever it is. It's not me being a dick. It's the truth. It, I don't have anybody who's doing more than me ever come down on me. All I ever have is, is them say, Hey, I saw that video. Maybe try to do your intro this way. Maybe try to tweak your lighting this way. Hey, maybe it look better if you use these captions or these subtitles instead, give it a shot. I never, ever, ever have anybody shitting on me. Who's doing more than me. Never, never. That, that can be used you know you, you people can can keep that in their head when they're reading these comments if, if they do are posting on social media sharing on social media keep that in your head it, it will help you it will help you a lot when you're when you're dealing with these negative comments that's a really good point i'm really glad that you said that because i think we also forget too that other people like when you're reading something and it, if it's really bad or they're really attacking your character or your life or your service because that also happens too and that's something i want to get into with you is you have to remember that this is just how somebody truly feels about themselves and you're just the sounding board you're most of the time people just want to be heard man yep. they don't they don't want to hurt you they just want to be heard yep the most the most one of the most powerful things that you can do someone is just listen to them yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more with that. How has your audience been about your service? A lot of current viewers are, were in the Navy or were RMAs. Those are the, the, basically the, the very core audience who, who follow the most because they want to see 
what I've done, how I've changed my life because they are in my shoes. You know, mm -hmm. they are going to the same duty stations. They're going on the same deployments and aircraft carriers. So I think, what was the question? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. How do people perceive your service? Meaning because you've put yourself out there as this person who has served and has deployed, how do people perceive your service? And those, let me add this too, and those that have served alongside of you. Mm -hmm. The ones that have served alongside, it's usually pretty supportive. I, I don't think I've ever gotten uh, a bad comment from a master at arms who's like, you know, fuck you, like all this stuff. But it's, it's the, the ones that, like I said, have this entitlement on their own service. So they'll go read through my stories and see what I've done, what I haven't done and pick the things on what they've done. And I, I haven't done and really, really hit on that. This isn't everybody. This is just some viewers primarily on, on Facebook. There's a lot of, a lot of, you know, 60, 70, even 80 year old veterans on there that compare my stories to theirs. And they really find those bullet points and those, those holes on things that I haven't done and just really go ham on those. It's not, it's not everyone though. Like I said, the MA community has been very supportive and the majority of the Navy community has been very supportive. Even the Marine community has been so much more supportive than probably any other branch because I highlight Marine Corps physical training like crazy. We bring in Marines to attempt different tests. I try the Marine tests, Marine, um, Marine Corps martial arts, all this stuff. So I'm, I'm really bringing uh, positive exposure to, to the Marine Corps the most, just because they have very interesting tests and their, their PT is a lot more aggressive than any other branch. And um, yeah, so, so that's how, that's how the viewer in the audience, the veteran community has perceived my content. When you're doing these physical tests, uh, I want to touch on this. When you're doing these physical tests and you're, you're having people compete with a time or with another individual and you're doing it, uh, say the obstacle course and you're using the Marines, how have you changed the way you do things since the double standard has come in with women? In our course, we have a strength aspect and People asked us, are you going to change the weight for women? And I said, no, if you're having to drag a friend out of combat, you can't sit there and say, oh, um, well, we'll change your friend to 120 pounds. We have a 175 pound dummy. It's a very, very heavy, heavy dummy that we sent 32 men through and 32 women through. We did not change the weights for the jerry can carry. They're both 50 pounds, hundred pounds total. Those dummies were 175 pounds. And I talked to Jason Clark, which is one of our virtual hosts, and they had some questions like, okay, what are the weights for women? What are the, what is the course standard for women? I said, it's the same across the board. We have different scoring, like men high score is four minutes, 49 seconds. And then women high score is five minutes, 21 seconds. Still pretty close, but the standard for, for male and women on, uh, male and women, men and women on the course is the same. They perform the same amount of obstacles. They perform the same amount of weights. And it's really, it's different to the community. 
because a lot of civilians, they don't understand why we created the course. And yeah, that's, that's my take on it. That's, that's what, how we do it at the battle bunker. And, and it's worked out pretty great so far. <laughs> I'm really happy to hear that. I'm, I'm ecstatic. You, most of the viewers can't see, cause when he's talking, the camera's on him, but I was very happy to hear that to say the least. I think that needs to be the standard. I think that always has needed to be the standard. I get a lot of flack being the woman saying that, but I have no mm -hmm. issue saying that I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. I think the one thing that you highlighted and why it's important and it's very simple. And I've had this conversations with other Marine women on the show where they, at the initial beginning of the conversation, they believe that there should be two standards by the end of the conversation or afterwards, I get a text message most of the time that says, no, I think you were probably right on that. If you haven't experienced combat and you haven't had to drag your friend out of something, I'm sorry, it does not matter your size or your gender. You do not get to pick who gets shot in the face. It doesn't work that way. Because if it did, no one would be shot. No one would get hurt. But tragic things happen in wartime. And even though we're not in uh, a boots on the ground war, more of a proxy situation right now, but that's a coming, so don't worry. But even though we're not in that anymore, um, there, I, I struggle, I do struggle so much with this. I do because I, I get very frustrated. I get it if you've never been in that experience, but you need to be able to do your job the same as the partner or the person beside you, period. It has nothing to do with your gender. It has nothing to do with the fact that you have a ponytail and he doesn't. It's very simple. If you are not there to help, you are a liability. You need to be an asset and not a liability in the military. It does not matter your gender. So I'm really happy to hear that you keep it that way too for Battle Bunker only because again, once you've done the things that you need to do in combat, in real combat, you realize why it was so important for you to drag your buddy or do the, uh, the, the trench dig or the fireman carry or the whatever it was you need to be able to do it. I, I don't care your gender. So I'm, I'm, again, I'm very, very happy to hear that. But let's talk about the Battle Bunker series because you just did something really cool. You just did an amazing, looks like, I mean, I was not there, but from what I'm being told from others, that event was amazing. So can you talk me through, how do you go from, I'm gonna do this battle, uh, the bus, I'm going to be helping all these people. I'm creating content on YouTube. I'm going to grocery stores and challenging people to do chin-ups and all these amazing things and push-ups and paying the money to, I'm going to hold this world, you know, standard event where people are going to be talking about this for a long time. You shook up the, you shook up the fitness world a little, my friend. Yeah. Um, just you, you talking about it and and saying those positive words is getting me a, a little emotional because uh, when i i think about that i think about all the the hard work and how hard, how tough it was to to organize that event and make sure everything was was good everything down from the cups people drink out of to medical on standby you know the whole shebang was was organized and you know, we have the bus. It's uh, our most successful series because it's the most relatable. And then there's like, what's next? And for people that 
kind of come into our pipeline and say, okay, well, now I want to train for this, or now I want to run my fastest mile or something more intermediate to advanced. I wanted to offer something that was hardcore and badass. And I knew that from the beginning of Battle Bunker, we started as a digital series a episode out in the desert on a nine obstacle course. I knew that eventually I wanted to have competitions. There's nothing like competitions. People can watch the videos all day long. The videos are great in my opinion, but there's nothing like atmosphere and, and true competition that you can really, really push yourself. Mm -hmm. Pushing yourself for most people doesn't come out until they're neck and neck with someone on an obstacle course or they're neck and neck with someone running with a hundred pound sandbag. So for me, that was like, that was like top level. And I wanted the challenge. I, like I said earlier in the podcast, I'm, I'm great at execution. I'm bad at planning. But what I did is I kind of reversed it. I executed the competition day. I announced it everywhere, email list, SMS list with 6,000 people on it, social media everywhere. I put my name on it that we were having this competition on October 29th. So I executed the planning date. And then from there, I, I did the planning. So I kind of you did it backwards. I had partnered with a good friend of mine, Hunter McIntyre. He's been in the fitness com competition space for 15 years. He's won several world titles. Uh, last year, he, he won uh, High Rocks Worlds, which he's the fittest man in the world um, in relation to High Rock standards. He's Just won small multiple. Feet. Yeah, small very, very, very small. I don't want to toot his own horn too much, but <laughs> I knew that he was the man to go to to help plan and organize this event. And He's like, okay, dude, it's, it's, it's like real simple. Okay. Don't think about it too hard. All right. It's real simple. We have three events. First event is going to be triple R. They're going to ruck. They're going to row and they're going to run. Second event is going to be foobar. It's going to be a sandbag complex. And the third event is going to be the obstacle course that you guys just, just built. And I'm like, all right, well, dang, like this guy, you know, he's been to probably 200, 300 competitions and he knows them. Well, never been a race director, never been in charge of the workouts or the event rundown. So this was a new experience for him as well. When we started to prepare, he started sharing it and we started sharing that we were having this competition. We're looking for the most physically ready athletes to compete in this thing. We put out the sign-up sheet. We had uh, in the first week or maybe week and a half, we had 300 people sign up, which was, it was incredible because you know, this thing just started as a nine obstacle course, like a shitty obstacle course out in the, in the desert. And now we have hundreds of people applying that want to compete at our first competition. And I did not look at any other competition for inspiration. I didn't say this is how Spartan does it. This is how CrossFit Games does it. This is how so-and-so, you know, all these, these massive companies in the competition space. I didn't look anywhere for inspiration. I wanted to do this in-house and without any inspiration from anywhere else. I think that's why the event was successful and that's what made it different because we combined these functional fitness or hybrid conditioning type workouts with an obstacle course. And usually people that are good at strength aren't good at obstacle courses or people that are good at running and rucking are not super strong. 
we combined them all. We had a two mile ruck and a 2000 meter row and then an 800 meter sprint. So you got to be quick on your feet. You got to be able to move under a heavy load and you got to be able to have the endurance to row 2000 meters, which is about an eight to nine minute constant high intensity thing. And that was only the first event. <laughs> Second event was, was FUBAR. And when, when we originally planned FUBAR, Hunter was like, yeah, we'll give the men, um, or we'll start out with 150 pounds. And I went out there with a 150 pound sandbag. Like I'm a pretty strong guy. I train for strength all the time. And I'm like, dang, after 20 reps, like my back is ruined. I was like, all right, we need to, um, uh, decrease the weight a little bit just so people will actually finish this thing, you know? So after a bunch of iterations and everything, we had the, we had the workouts down and then we planned for volunteers. An important thing that I learned in the military is delegation. I, I chose a good friend of mine, Jeremy. He was actually over in Bahrain with me. And now he lives right beside me in Chula Vista. I chose him to delegate over the volunteers. And then we had vendors, insurances, permits, food permits. We had everything from the live stream to we, we started planning the whole shebang and 66 days of planning from the time that we dropped that, that date, we, we just executed and I, I didn't know it, but during that 66 days, it would take every single bit of my time. I think we only posted one YouTube video. So the other side of the business was, was failing while, you know, battle bunker was, was rising and it was, it was tough, but we did it. We organized it. We had 11 judges out there, 16 data points per each athlete. So if you times 16 by 64, that's a lot of data points. And they were all handwritten on score sheets. So definitely a learning experience for sure. <laughs> we executed. I learned a lot, got five or six really big takeaways on how to make the next event better. And we start up some commotion. Um, world's toughest mutter was two weeks ago. <clears throat> this is the most elite tough mutter competition in the world. That's why they call it world's toughest mutter. And here we are giving away $20,000 for our first event as a small, basically a small startup company. And here you have tough mutter owned by Spartan hundred plus million dollar business. They gave away 35,000. We gave away 20,000 now. Yeah. So the fact that we were able to give away more than half of what they're giving away for their world championship series, it excited the community. And if I can force tough mutter to give away a hundred thousand or a quarter million dollars next time, I'm going to do it. I'm going to keep it. raising the bar. We, we're a competition company, you know, yeah, and, you are. and, so it's our job to, to compete. Dude, and I'm riled up just listening to this. That's fuck. You know, listen, let me just take a second. I'll, let me just like blow you up a little. Cause I don't, I think, you know, but I don't know if you really know what that, what you did is you, because of who you are, you showed people that you can start with just push-ups. And if you can get yourself fit enough, there's another step and another part of this community you can be welcome to come be a part of. You can show up and you can actually show up and win legitimate money. Or you can go and join something that you're just a name and a hat 
You're just a name in a registration. You line up, you go beast yourself. You get sprayed off with a fucking fire hose after, by the way, did that in Whistler, never doing that again. And then they give you a beer and a medal and off you go. There's no community based around that. There's no growth based around that. There's no just love based around that. You're a number that makes money for someone else. Not with Battle Bunker. You're something different. You're a part of a community. You're a part of a, an ecosystem, a heartbeat that thrives and grows and gives others something to reach for, dude. And you've, you've shook shit. You shook it in a way that it needed to be shook. Enough with this, hey, we'll give the minimum and everybody else give everything you have to this and then leave with nothing. Or you can come be a part of something bigger, bigger than yourself. Yeah, and, and the, the most important part of Battle Bunker is the athletes that compete with us mm-hmm. and, and the, their willingness to, to go through the suck, you know, because those, those workouts were tough. And, and we're, you know, rewarding, rewarding athletes the way they should be rewarded. We, we hand stenciled 180 shirts. Every single competitor had three shirts. They got a fresh change after every event. We hand stenciled the numbers on every single shirt. We gave them a goodie bag, welcome, check in for $170. They got a night stay here in Chula Vista, California. They got all of their meals covered, all you can eat, basically a buffet, three meals a day. They They actually got four total meals. So when they checked in, they got dinner, all you can eat, breakfast, light breakfast, bananas, yogurts, waters, stuff like that lunch, all you can eat, and then dinner again, all you can eat. <clears throat> and it was an experience and, and people were just dumbfounded. And I was focused, I was hyper-focused on the experience of the competitors because like I said, they're, they're what makes the magic of these competitions happening. Mm-hmm. And we, my thinking was, you know, if, if, these athletes are going to go through the suck, then I'm going to go through it with them. I'm going to spend my own money, $45,000 for that competition. No sponsors, no, no paid sponsors, no, no paid vendors, nothing. For you, man. We did it ourselves. And I basically, it would be dumb of me to think that this thing can continue if we're going 50K in the hole every single, you know, every single competition. Mm-hmm. If we host five competitions, that's quarter million in the hole host, you know, 25 competitions, that's a million dollars in the hole. Businesses don't work like that. So me as a business owner, I have to figure out how to make this thing work. And that's through sponsors. Mm -hmm. And I think we, well, I know we start up enough commotion that we have sponsors that are are willing to come in and and help out with the next competition. And if I can break even, but give away a big ass cash prize, I'm going to do that. Why? Because that's exciting to me. It's exciting to the competitors and the fact that we're just this little baby company stirring this massive pot of fitness competitions. You know, if I can give away $50,000 next year, I'm going to do it just because I, I see there's, there's so much money in these competitions. And you mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, these people like Tough Mudder, Spartan, CrossFit, not to put them or not CrossFit. CrossFit gives away a pretty good amount of money, props to them. But these other competitions, they, make so much money and the prize money they shell out is so minimal 
So if we can step up and, and, and step that prize money and those earnings to the next level <laughs> and force them to shell out more like they should, that's competition to me. And it gets, it gets me hyped and excited. And it should, I think paying athletes what they deserve is important. Um, touch on that for a second. I know for a fact, like, for example, the supercross world, unless you're winning every weekend, you're on that podium, you're not making anything. You're not, yeah. and your life and your body is on the line and you're the one providing the entertainment for Feld and for the Supercross and for Monster Energy, but you're not seeing any of the money. So let me get this straight. You go concuss yourself stupid. You go break your body. You at some times end up paralyzed. You're the entertainment, but you're not making the money. That's where the system is broken. That's where right. you're deciding, nope, our athletes are worth more than this. If they're going to put their bodies on the line, we're going to pay them to do it. Because you know on the back end what you're going to make on YouTube. You know this is going to get seen. You understand that there's more money here. But if you can show the athletes that they're worth more with you and that they're going to get more with you, they're going to come to you. It's, it's no different than any other, um, any other sport. Same with road biking. I, I, I road cycle. So we raced the grand Fondo this year. There's 7,000 racers. Okay. By the, I think it was halfway through, they ran out of food. So halfway of that race, those people who paid five hundred dollars by the way to participate in the grand fondo didn't get food to finish the race so that stuff irritates me like no like like nothing else because that event that's wouldn't exist let, let me get the math right that's three hundred and fifty thousand dollars they got from race signups yeah so you have to pay five hundred dollars to participate in the grand fondo in whistler okay so this year I ran, uh, I raced it with a friend of mine who's an ex-professional race of, uh, racer and Jacob used to be, uh, on the circuit for road biking. Okay. And I said, listen, I want to do this for boot campaign. Um, it's suicide prevention month. It's in September. I want to raise this for our buddy check and like the, you matter campaign we did with them. And so he's like, all right, let's go to the front of the line. There's 7,000 people. I've never done this race before. He goes, let's go to the very front. Let's go to the starting. I'm going to win this fucking thing. And I was like, okay, son, you have at you, right? He goes out there, wins to the last couple of kilometers, crashes out and finishes seventh out of 7,000. Oh my goodness gracious. That's with, crazy. With a big, you matter, bright red Jersey on. I got 1500th or something, but that's, listen, that's bad. We, we need to do better next year. But the point is you pay $500 to go get on a road bike for anywhere from three to five hours and beast yourself. And you don't even have enough food for the people while they're racing. That's a problem. I redid the math. That's three and a half million dollars. How much does food cost for 7,000 people? Maybe hundred thousand. It's not even real food. You have to feed us when you're on the road bike. It's gels and bananas, homie. It's gels. It's like, you can go to Gucci. You could go to a sponsor. You could get yeah. that covered. You know what I mean? So highlighting the fact that you guys are paying athletes what they are deserved. You are providing nutritious abundance amount of food and liquids, which is so so overrated if you're not doing it right. Like people need to be doing that. And then you're also creating a community off of that. 
That to me is the takeaway. The community, I cannot stress enough, especially after COVID, especially after the rest of the world is finally catching on to what mental health issues look like. Like it took our, the veteran community screaming, saying, hey, we've got 22 suicides a day. That didn't even make the news. That didn't scratch the surface. Nobody gave a shit about that. Well, now the number's up to 44 a day. Nobody gives a shit about that. You know, when they started to care, when everyone else got locked in their house and realized that, hmm, mental health is a real thing. It's a serious thing. Oh, anybody can get it. You're damn right. Oh, so the big actor who has all the money, has all the things he goes out and dies by suicide. Yeah. Cause it doesn't, it doesn't discriminate. Mental health does not discriminate. And one of the best best, best things you can do for your mental health, move your body, drink your water and give yourself a community. We are humans going through a human experience and we should never be alone. So when you do the community backend, the stuff that you have, where you give people a safe space to be themselves, to show up, that to me is the takeaway. I love that you did the event. I love the quality of the event. I love that you pay your athletes, but I cannot overstate how important to me personally being in this community, seeing what you're doing means. Thank you very much. You know, there, there's a message embedded into our, our obstacle course. We have 22 obstacles for a reason. And mm. that is to, to bring awareness and, and to create that space for people to, to you know, come forward or, or talk to a friend about what they're going through. And I feel like every, every time I run that, Every time I, I run events at the course, you know, we have our trial series and then uh, another episode coming up next, uh, another event coming up next year. I want to make sure people know, make sure people know that at Battle Bunker, you know, you can grab a judge, you can grab a volunteer and you can just talk to somebody. Offline, you know, however you want to do it. We, we want to make it, make it okay and, and break the stigma of, of if you reach out, you know, you're weak or whatever. At Battle Bunker, we say, if you need to speak with someone, we're here. And when I was, you know, I, I lost two good friends to suicide when I was in the Navy. And thinking about the possibility or, or saving someone from doing that, it lights me up. It gets me excited. So with every, everything that we do, I, I convey that message and it's built into our obstacle course. I, I love that. I'm sorry for your loss. It, I look back at the amount of people we've lost. Um, when you start realizing that you've lost more people to suicide than you did on deployment, that's when things start to really shake. You start to realize that this isn't, this isn't something that just happens to anybody. I mean, doesn't just happen to specific people it can happen to anybody. Um, and you know, the, the research is, is coming out about TBIs and blast exposure, whether it's just to a single shot, uh, shot weapon, or it's to a M triple seven to an IED, these blast exposures have damage that is unseen. And then you start to all of a sudden have issues with, you know, your vision or your light sensitivity. And then all of a sudden depression kicks in and you don't know why. And your sex drive is gone. And then you just go, I don't feel that good. And I can't get out of bed. And then doctors give you pharmaceutical meds to say, it'll fix the problems when things go undiagnosed, right? Things go undiagnosed. And in our community, especially the men, 
I cannot stress this enough, getting your blood work checked regularly to check your testosterone, to see your levels, to see where you're sitting at is so imperative to keeping you healthy and keeping you with us because PTSD symptoms, PTSI, PTS symptoms, they mimic TBI symptoms. There's this thing in Canada they're diagnosing people with now called operator syndrome, where it's basically cumulation of every symptom you can picture, you know, your, your PTS symptoms. So your nightmares, your, um, your hair trigger, your, your paranoia, all those things you get when your, your, your fight or flight is stuck on, but then you start to couple that with light sensitivity, digestion issues, vertigo, um, uh, what's another one that I realized uh, diabetic symptoms when you're not a diabetic or you eat really healthy or physically fit, these are all things, but then the, the drop off in testosterone, those things need to be checked. They're so, so important to be checked. And they are one of the things that if people start looking into when depression hits, or if it starts to hit, it gives you a fighting chance. So when you guys leave the door open at these events and you say, Hey, we're here to talk. Hey, we here, we've got you. That to me, that's why I said at the very beginning of this episode, before we even started, and you said, why'd you want to have me on? And I said, you're a community builder because that's what matters to me. That's what brass and unity is. I want my friends to stay alive and know that they can. When you say you're struggling, that just makes you stronger in my eyes. It doesn't make you weaker. If you suffer and I see you're suffering and you go, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. That to me, that's when it gets really sad because then I know for a fact that you're not telling me because you think that I'll have some perception in my mind of how you are when that couldn't be further from the truth. When I have these six foot five, 250 huge dudes sit down with me and go, I'm having a fucking hard time, man. And I don't know why that's when you're the strongest, that moment right there. That's when you're the strongest person you will ever be in my opinion. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah, man. You're a wild individual, huh? You've accomplished, uh, some things that only, even if you, even if you did one of these things, just one of them, I think the reach, the help, the support you would have been able to provide, let alone all of them. You're a force to be reckoned with my friend. Thank you. It's, I see myself as just, uh, you know, just a dude that, that's doing what he, he loves to do and then sharing most of it with, with everyone. But that's why you'll be successful at it. Because you talk, your ego doesn't. That Thank makes you. a difference. You're, you're super welcome, my friend. Listen, I don't want to take up any more of your time because this will not be the last time you are on the show. But how do people, how do people become a part of this? How do people help you? How do people share your message? How do people show one another that they can be a part of the battle bunker and, and know that it's more than just a physical fitness event, but it's a family. I would say if they're interested in battle bunker and the, the operations we conduct, then go to the battle bunker Instagram. It's just at the battle bunker. If they want to see what we're doing on, on the YouTube side, then just come to my YouTube channel, Austin Alexander. We, we do lots of, of different fitness tests and military tests and, and just put each other through the ringer and it's a lot of fun. I love it. My, I fucking, I just, I, it blows me away. This is what I mean when I say go out and get shit done. I don't mean 
this starts from nothing and all of a sudden it's something. This took work. This took the snowball effect. This took getting up and just starting. And that's what we try to highlight here that you can go through shit, but you can come out the other side so, so much stronger if you just believe in yourself. And it sounds like we owe it a lot to your future wife. So please tell her I said, thank you. I will do so. I'll tell her that. Yeah. Good. All right, my friend, everyone else will put everything in the show notes where you can find anything on Alex, Austin Alexander and what he's doing, how he's helping the community, how he's helping just the world become better. It's, it's that simple. You stick with me, everyone else. We will see you all next week. Thank you.